0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to another Plundergrounds. I'm your host Ray Otis. Today we are going to wrap up the Zine Vimber contest. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the reading I've been doing, and I've got a new um, erstwhile segment that I'm going to throw at you that is uh, alphabetically inspired. Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds. Welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go fantasy and dungeon delve science fiction watch yourselves hey i'm just breaking in here to let you know that once i start talking about books on this episode i don't stop i don't stop for a long time and if you don't want to hear me talk about books then you should turn the podcast off right then because that's all i'm going to talk about for the for the last half hour of this show um I don't know what was wrong with me or why I felt like I needed to get that out, but maybe, maybe it'll, um, maybe you'll hear a book that you're interested in reading. Maybe you'll hear a book you want to talk with me about, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I really got crazy there. Um, <laughs> but I'm not gonna re-record it, so that's your warning. Um, do with it what you will. I would like to think that Zine Vember was a huge success, but of course it won't be until I actually send out the zines. <laughs> I uh, sat down last night, made sure I had everybody's information current in the spreadsheet. Uh, did my random generation of uh, pick orders, and then went down and tried to fulfill as many wishes as I could uh, on that list. Now, I had 35 entries, and I feel like it came out pretty well. The 18 people got, well, let's let's start with this. Um, seven people had no preference, okay? So seven out of the 35 aren't going to count on the next stats here. So that's uh, 28, no, 27 that we've got left um, 18 of the 27 of those 27 people got their first choice. Uh, five more people out of those 27 got their second choice and three more got their third choice. So that is 26 out of 27, I believe I've done my math, right. That got either their first, second or third choice. So that's was pretty exciting. Um, that uh that it came out that way i'm gonna have a zine for everybody I had to add a couple but uh we'll, we'll make sure that happens i'll probably pull a couple more off my shelf to kind of pad some of the um some of the packages that i send out that only have a very tiny zine in them or, or a very thin zine um but everybody will get something uh i'll be sending to 14 states and territories within the united states so that i say and territories because puerto rico is one of the was one of the entries as someone from Puerto Rico, um, I don't remember what the other 14 states were, but um, there was a, a, a couple of big hits. I see New York and California. As you would expect, there were a couple places where I had multiples from, but there were uh, 14 different states represented. And then I had six additional countries outside of the U.S. that were represented. Germany, Denmark, Canada, the U.K., a couple from there, Poland, and the Netherlands. So that was really cool really cool um i'm I'm excited to send everybody something I just got it like i said I'll, I'm in vegas right now um finishing up today, heading home here soon, which I'm excited about uh I don't know what it is about this town, but it kind of triggers um I feel like it's not—it's not a moral judgment or anything on the town, but it, I feel like I'm—it's uh, like living in an airport or something. I, 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 every once in a while, I have to step outside. It's not like outside is a lot better in Vegas, but it is better. Um, I have to step outside and get like unrecycled air and get a little bit of distance from people and lights and things like that. But um, it's very hard for me here. Um, I've been hiding out in my hotel as much as possible to stay sane. <laughs> which is is weird you know what's the point of traveling if you're going to stay in your hotel but i've had a good conference and uh, uh, good conversations with my with my team so that's been really good um I, I also want to say a special thanks to uh vino azul and david johnson um you two sent me very uh, i'm just gonna say it very sweet emails that made me feel really good and uh It was nice to, to, it's always nice to get kind words from people and to hear from people I've never heard from before who've been listening either for a long time or just discovered the podcast. Um, I also reconnected with a few people that I haven't heard from in a while. Uh, Greg Gelder, who wrote a little supplement for Space Trucker, um, which I think is still available on my itch.io page. I'm not sure. Um, I've got that. That's one of my slush, uh, not slush pile. It's one of my sort of, it didn't go down into the slush pile, but I've got a project sitting around called Space Trucker Wide Load, which is uh, um, kind of an expansion of that little mini uh, zine game that I did that I that I mean to get done, and it, a lot of it was inspired by Greg's, um, Greg's supplement to that. So, at any rate, it was it was really fun. It was really fun, and I'm sure I'll probably do something similar next uh, November. It'll be Zine Vember again. I'm not sure I'll give away zines. We'll see how all this comes out. I'm um, not sure how much of a pain it's going to be to ship all this stuff, but <laughs> I'm not. I don't think it's going to be too bad. I don't think it's going to be too bad. We're gonna we're gonna try. I may try sending the the thin ones in just regular flat envelopes with stamps in the U.S. Uh, because uh, they shouldn't have to go media mail when they're basically not. Uh, any bigger or heavier than like a giant birthday card so i think i think i can get away with that i've tried that before and gotten away with it so we'll do that i will let everybody know um the day i send these and so that you can start tracking and figure out how long it takes to get to everybody but yeah that was, that's really cool um one person even offered to send me back some zines so that was really neat um i can't think of who that was off the top of my head right now so i have to go back through the list i'm sorry i'd forgotten your name but i'll have to go back through and uh and uh, send you my address, so maybe I can get something in the mail, and that'll be fun. We'll all get a gift, a little early Christmas gift, um, or whatever you celebrate. Right, so um, my uh, my new segment that I wanted to talk about was, I was thinking about uh, the, uh, two, two things inspired this. One, uh, Goblin's Henchman just did a podcast called R is for Religion, and he was using uh, religion as a kind of um, metaphor, uh, the way people react to religions, like the first time you uh, walk into a a religious thing, maybe you're a seeker and you want to to connect with a religion. The first time you walk into a place, it may or may not be the right one for you, but that doesn't mean no religion is right for you, right? There's lots of different choices. So he's using that as an analogy for the R in OSR, uh, meaning that as, you know, as a group, it's very diverse and your first exposure to the OSR could be a really bad one um, or it could be a really good one. And that will predicate often how you feel about um, the OSR from there. But um, the most open-minded people try a few different approaches. Um, if they're all bad, then you definitely have a verified opinion. Um, but if you, you know, you have some bad and some good, which is the typical uh, reaction to OS to any community, not just OSR, um, you know, you can find where you belong if, if you want to belong. So I don't know. I'm a little, I try to avoid tribalism to some extent, <laughs> to some extent. Um, and, uh, while I, I often, um, hang out and write and think and design and play in uh, the kind of OSR community, if you will. Um, I have very rarely ever referred to myself as OSR or put OSR on a product. I just, um, I just, it just, I'm leery of it, I guess, is all, <laughs> I don't want people judging the stuff I make, um, and uh, and if they don't connect with it because they missed that, like, it, they needed to look to see the OSR, I'm okay with that, like, if, you know, if they, if I get missed because of that, I think we all know I'm not too particular about being famous, so, um, <laughs> or whatever uh, constitutes fame in, in our hobby. Anyway, any rate, so uh, the R is for religion, and then uh, a long time ago in one of the Plunderground zines, I did a, um, a game, and it started out on Google+, and it was a game where you had to make a setting out of only monsters from one letter of the alphabet, and it's really fun. It's a really fun exercise if you've never done it. Just pick a letter from the alphabet, even some of the hard ones, you know, like Q. I mean, some are super easy, like... Uh, Like G and D, I think, are both really easy ones, if I remember right. Uh, And you end up with a little bit more vanilla fantasy from those. And so it's kind of fun to pick a letter um, and zip through some monster manuals to find some, you know, monsters that begin with Z or whatever letter you want to pick. And... um, you know, work work it out. Like, what would a setting be like if you only had those monsters to work with? Uh, how would they interact with each other? How would that form an ecosystem? Uh, and I and we did we played that game on Google Plus, and we went through the alphabet, A to Z, and uh, each person would put up a post. Whoever felt like doing it at the time would take a letter and put up the post and, and make that out. And I put uh, I explained that exercise in one of my Plunderground zines and uh, gave a couple examples. I think I gave three examples. And I just, I love it. It's a really fun game to play. So if you've never played it, play it. Uh, But I was thinking, you know, there are 26 letters to the alphabet. I could do a podcast a day where I go through the alphabet, but I think that would try everyone's patience, mostly mine. Uh, So I think I'll do a couple a month and try to get through the alphabet in a year. And I'm not necessarily going to do, um, this is just going to be an alphabet project, it's going to be anything um, fantasy, RPG, nerd related that uh, that is associated with the letter. I'm not trying to make a setting out of monsters or anything like that, I just wanted to use the structure of the alphabet. English alphabet, I should say, to get through um, to get through just random ideas to use as inspiration. And so today is A. And um, I just used the first word that came to my mind, and so A is for armadillo. And I got to thinking about what an armadillo, a really good armadillo monster would be like. And um, I, I love, um, it goes somewhat sideways here. I think you'll see the connection right away. But I love roly-poly bugs, you know, pill bugs or um, tiggy hogs or wood lice, whatever you want to call them. They've got a million names. And they're really interesting. They're crustaceans. They have, uh, they have, uh, uh, blue blood actually. Um, they can draw water up through their butts. Uh, it's like really, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of interesting things about them. But as a uh, when my kids were little, we would go out and dig some up and, and have races with them where we would draw a chalk circle and, uh, and um, you know we'd set them down in the middle and see who could get out first. Uh, and we put down obstacles like matchbox cars. One time we even bet money. We put we put coins out there, and whoever you know if your if your bug ran over a coin, you got to take it. Um, my wife wasn't real happy about that one, but <laughs> I thought it was fun. Uh, yeah, so uh, maybe I do belong in Vegas. I don't know. Um, I I could admit, I could invent some better games, I think, than what they've got here for sure. But they don't, they're not interested in better games. They're only interested in games that make money for themselves. Um, so uh, yeah. So, at any rate, um, I love the how they can roll up into a little like you know a ball, like an armadillo can, right? I assume mar- I assume that's not totally mythological. I, yeah, I've seen armadillos rolled up. They can definitely roll up into a ball. Sometimes you see these things that are not. Quite true, like lemmings, you know, following each other off a cliff. I remember there was a story. I think I probably even talked about it on the podcast before. But when Disney, uh, back in the day, when Disney, probably in the '60s, let's say, when they were filming World of Disney and they used to do some nature shows, they needed a a shot of lemmings, you know, like following each other off a cliff because that's how the story goes. Um, They couldn't get them to do it, or weren't there at the right time of the year, or whatever. I. I don't think they really do that honestly. Um, but they, to get it to happen, um, they got out a, a record turntable and, uh, set up the camera so you couldn't see the turntable and then uh, started dropping the lemmings on the turntable and flinging them off the cliff, uh, cliff one after another, um, to, to prove that nature uh, that does happen in nature. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so wrong, right? Like, uh, man, any rate, um, but we're, we're, we're not concerned about, like, reality here. We're talking about fantasy. Um, uh, and no, no armadillos will be harmed in the making of this episode. Um, so I started thinking about, like, okay, so what's an armadillo monster like? Uh, you'd want it to be big, right? So let's think, once this thing is rolled up, let's assume it's the size of a... Um, well, I uh, can't think of a good comparison. B- bigger than one of those balls that people set on at their desks, right? Uh, bigger than, like, a probably the size of like a dump truck tire, like a big, you know, something that's five feet maybe high um, once it's all balled up, right? Which, that gives it a lot of mass, but maybe it could still fit in a five-by-five five square, right? Which would be nice if you're playing on a battle mat or just kind of want some like human scale. Uh, and uh, once it's rolled up, uh, it would be nearly impervious. Like, you could give it an armor class, but maybe you just say you got to roll a 20 to hit it. You know naturally like if you're using just natural weapons um uh you know you can you can hit it but you're not gonna do any damage it's armor is so tough you know and all the exposed sparks are just just armor uh and uh so then well what does it do like you know well it rolls around and it runs into things right so it gathers speed and crushes things uh um and damages them maybe it maybe it does more damage if it can push you up against a wall uh maybe it does more damage if you maybe you have to make a save to like not uh fall down when it hits you and if you fall down it rolls over you and does more damage and so it's this kind of like cannonball uh giant cannonball rolling around and it'd be fun to like experiment with that in different kinds of rooms long corridors um, round rooms uh um, rooms with levels, things like that, rooms where it could roll off something and drop on somebody. That would be pretty fun. Um, why does it do this? Uh, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is, uh, well, two things. One, maybe it's just territorial, right? It just wants, it, it doesn't like to be disturbed. And so as long as you walk, quietly and carefully around it um or around its zone it, it probably um won't uh react to you but if it detects you from trimmer sense or smell or sight or whatever i'm assuming we'd have bad sight let's just start there it probably has bad sight and it reacts then to like trimmers uh or noise or something like that um and uh but yeah so territorialism would be one reason why it might be aggressive uh, another reason is uh maybe like you know how flies will um Regurgitate is my understanding that flies regurgitate some kind of acid onto their food to dissolve it and then slurp it back up, um, lacking, you know, kind of real teeth mechanisms for grinding up food. Um, and so maybe this uh, creature has to smash its food first into like a you know a poi cons- uh, like a like a mashed potato consistency, and then it can then it can uh, slurp it up. And so it. <laughs> <laughs> when it wants to feed, you know, it, it, it just has to find some people to roll over and, and crush, uh, right, so that's, that's, um, right, and so then I think it should probably also be resistant to, um, uh, like, uh, heat and cold, just because it's, you know, you are only look, it's the armor hide that you're hitting there, and it's gonna be thick and kind of like, um, you know horn like and so it's it's not going to transfer heat and cold quite like other things i just make it kind of half damage from things like that uh, maybe half damage from um, acid right um, although if it could if you kind of get acid to like flow into the cracks maybe that's where that's where i'm assuming like if you roll a 20 and hit it you've, you've gotten your weapon in a crack you can even make it like uh, if you roll a 20 and get your weapon a cr- this sounds terrible for at first because it's gonna be like but it's really a puzzle monster, right? I'm trying to make it so that it's hard to just be in a fight. Um, but let's say you hit it with a 20 and your weapon gets lodged in, in crack between its armor plates. Then you have to make some sort of roll to hang on to your weapon because it's rolling and it's just going to, like, you know, it might break your weapon or rip it out of your hands or something like that. Even though you did damage, um, it... it uh, might carry your weapon away with it and so that's there's some really cool things you could do with it in that respect now how do you beat it well i can think of several ways actually <laughs> i don't want to go into it too much because i'm thinking like it's a puzzle monster and if i talk about how to beat it then it kind of like takes away some of the mystery but there are different things that you could do to it um mostly involving like changing its uh, you know like um there's always the kind of if you can uh f- Uh, fill an area with gas or like water or something where it's you know where it's uh, submerged if you could maybe um uh stop it like get it jammed in some place or you know there's different things like that that you could get it to do maybe get it to roll off um into a pit um yeah, so you just like you might have to play bait, you might have to, to use an area effect spell or something like that, but it's going to take a little bit of uh, brain work to figure out how to to, uh, or you just have to run. You know, you could just run, but that means uh, when you thread your way back through that place, that thing's you know, still agitated and will detect you more easily. Right, so A is for Armadillo Monster. Um, we'll see what B happens when, uh, you know, maybe in a couple weeks when I do B. We'll do we'll do like two a month until we get through the alphabet. Um, I may get a little anxious and do a few more at the beginning. but um, And I'm not the biggest one on consistency, so, you know, I may or may not make it to Z. Let's see. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll do my best. I promise a lot of things, or, or I talk about doing a lot of things, and I only get some of them done. I think we're all like that to some degree, but... Um, I, that's to me it's a it's soul crushing like I don't like to think about all the things I've said I was going to do um, that I didn't get done well I guess nobody likes to think about that right right so um, I, I did want to talk a little bit about things that I've been reading uh, gosh I could get my list up here I've got I'm in one of those phases where I've got a lot of books started um, and so it's partly because I got into this. Got into the Whatnot app, which is dangerous. Uh, it's an online auctions app, and it's kind of like eBay if you cross referenced it with Zoom or something. So you, you tune, or YouTube, but you kind of tune into these live shows where people, um, sellers, um, mostly like resellers and thrift sellers and things like that. It's like, a, it's like an online garage sale, if you will, uh, except you can focus it. Um, you can say, oh, I want, to, I, only, I want to go to a garage sale where they're selling nothing but vintage science fiction paperbacks, which is where I want to go, right, or um, old Teenage Mutant Ninja toys or whatever. And um, so you, you you open the WhatNot app, and you tell it what your preferences are. you got to take a little while to kind of find the categories that you want to. And then, and then what I do is what I find is you just follow a couple – like a couple um, – you follow a couple sellers, and then you'll start to see some of the names in that community, and some of them sell too. And so, but um, I've been following these vintage paperback sales on there and uh they'll they'll open up a paperback and they'll talk about it and usually there's these old ones with great covers right and they they'll tell you what you know whether it's a first printing or not and who the cover artist is and they'll show you the damage like because these things are always on some level have some kind of damage shelf lean uh, dog ears um book stamps you know like bookstore stamps whatever they show you the damage um, and then they kick off an auction and a lot of times these things start at you know like two bucks or something right um, and with media mail you pay about 350 in the first shipping and then it's about a dollar thereafter depending on weight per pound you know or something like that after it's, it's fairly cheap so it's always better to buy like a couple books than just one um, but I tune into these auctions and there's something really fun about just following them and then bidding on you know uh, paperbacks and it's not too much money like it's you have know, to watch it you can be really you know you can get out of control on these but so I've been buying some unusual paperbacks. Have I already, I'm losing my mind. I may have already talked about this before. Um, I, uh, I went through a run where I read uh, there were four that I got from a guy named Bookpilled. And uh, it was the Cosmozoids, which was a really bad, like, pulp um, you know, alien invasion, spy story. Um, And then I read Strange News from Another Star and Other Tales by Herman Hesse, which was great, actually. They were kind of fables. Um, Hit and miss great, as with any short story thing. There were a couple that really touched me, and and a few that I just was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I read a cool uh, science fiction uh, 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 fix-up novel, which is uh, short stories combined into a novel, you know, that aren't really – this um, isn't really a novel then. This really was just like a short story collection. But they were all about the pressures of space called Deadly Litter by James White. And the the titular story at the end is about a, um, a police force that is like policing uh, um, instances of spills, like where people have jettisoned things out uh, in. Uh, in once they get into space, and those things are now flying around and become because of gravitational forces become like dangerous missiles essentially, potato peels that could fly through uh, armor plating. At any rate, uh, and it's just kind of an interesting concept, right? And it's also like a trial story, so there's a lot going on there. Um, I read Anarch Chaos by Kurt Clark, who's actually. Um, uh, Donald Westlake writing under an assumed name, so it was kind of a murder mystery, hard-boiled thing on another planet, which was really, really crazy. Um, I sent that one on to um, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Podcaster. Read. Um, I finished my slow read of Dracula. Both better and worse than I remembered. Right, like it's, it's, it is a good book, but it, it's got pacing issues and it's got some really stupid characters at times. But um, but it does have all those great. I mean there's a reason why so many things have been made after this movie because there's so many great ideas in it and it's, it's, it's genuinely spooky at times especially I think in the beginning um with Jonathan Harker, but maybe he's one of those characters that you think I was being kind of stupid, too. Um, I finished Gardens of the Moon. Uh, Really enjoyed it. Uh, I have a few quibbles, but I I mostly thought it was great, and I'm going to talk about that with Joe Richter, I think, on air, if we can make that happen. Mostly that's a a scheduling issue for me. Um, Joe's given me some times, and so I'm hoping to get that done um, because I know he's very excited about the book, and I wanted to talk about some of the ideas in it and what I thought was cool about it. Uh, I finished Mother Night by Kurt Vonnegut. I hadn't read that book. Uh, There was a time when I went on a tear and read tons of Kurt Vonnegut. And I think I read this one at the end of a long run. And... uh and I just didn't pay much attention to it or think much of it, and man, I really enjoyed it this time. It was written before Slaughterhouse-Five. Like a lot of Kurt Vonnegut, it's really engaging while you're reading it, and it's very easy to read, Um, and it's got lots of little clever lines, but maybe after the fact, you don't remember it as much as you do some other books, Uh, but man, I I really enjoyed this one. One of the lines in this one I really liked was, um, you know, somebody says to the main character, man, war really changed you, and he says something like, well, I'd hope so. Um, war, you know, if World wars are supposed to change people. Otherwise, why have them? Uh, and <laughs> that was a strange, you know, uh, yeah. And then another time they say to the main character, uh, well, I think, forgive forget if they say, do you really love America? I really hate America. I mean, I think they say, well you really love America don't you and he says well to love America would be as stupid as hating it and I kind of that, that that one kind of struck me too in context I guess they're a lot better than me just saying them it's like a a, a joke it doesn't bear retelling very well those are the ones I've finished recently um, and then what I'm currently reading um, I've got you are the hero on my bench which is um, a retelling of the 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 not a retelling a um, kind of visual and uh, word history of the Fighting Fantasy line uh, by Jonathan Green. So it's interesting because I also just got my copy of Dice Men, which I've just dipped into a little, which is kind of the history of um, Games Workshop, early history, right, uh, with Ian Livingston and, and Steve Jackson, UK Steve Jackson. So they're, they have some relationships, but one specifically about Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, and goes into great detail about that. Uh, I dipped into Rules for Radicals, which is a book I have always thought I would read and never have, and um, it's mind-blowing. I, it's so potent. That I can only take it in, like, short uh, bursts, and maybe I'm overreacting to it, but I, I have really enjoyed that. Um, I, I ran into a really weird book called uh, Saphid and Ketera. Uh It is uh, Saphid's uh, Parables, Book 3 by Barton William. Um, so how I ran into this was I was on a Mastodon site, and a guy put up this deal where you, you it was a search engine where you put in a phrase and it would go i think into what Google Books what's left of Google Books and find an old public domain book that matched your phrasing you know or ma- matched your ideas so you could put in dragons and see what you get um there's not a huge selection of books at this at the fingertips of this thing but it was right after my birthday and i had had a cherry pie and i i love cherry pie which some of you may know it's probably my death row food it's like a, a really nice homemade tart cherry pie i prefer the crust without crisco but i'm okay if it's you know maybe half butter half crisco and uh, a cold glass of milk and i uh it's orgasmic i just like for me that's sorry but it's just like that's one of my favorite things to eat so I'd had a cherry pie, and so I put into the search engine, cherry pie, and it comes up with this Kedra, and it's a the first story is a parable about cherry pies. And so this guy was an old Missouri minister, and he wrote these funny parables, probably to, to read from the pulpit, um, and they're written in faux uh, Old Testament, like King James style, um, but they're it's kind of like if you cross Mark Twain with King James Bible, this is what you come out with. Um, and they're, I find them really funny. They're all, of course, a little bit dated and kind of sexist, but not not sexist in a, like, gross way. Sexist in just, like, a, in a way where you're looking at a different time where, where gender roles were a little more, uh, where some people were very comfortable with those and some people weren't. And, and you know, so I guess if it, you weren't being harmed by it, maybe you were comfortable with it. Maybe it's kind of okay and funny. Um and that's why I look at it. And I knew I bought it and, and buying two copies, one for myself and one for my sister-in-law, who I know is going to like this. And uh, it's just clever, kind of fun little things to read. But the first story is about um, him him saying. So this is a good example of the kind of you know sexism in it. He he says there's basically two kinds of women. Um, the women who removeth the stones from the cherry pie before the bake them, and the the women who don't removeth the stones from the cherry pie <laughs> before baking them, and then there's the the kind of woman who tells you she's removed all the stones from the cherry pie, but misses one. And he was, of course, praising Ketara his wife, uh, because she's the kind of woman who removes all the stones, the pits, from a cherry pie before baking it, so you don't have to work at it. Um, but he said of the other two kinds of women, he preferred the one who didn't remove the stones because the one who said they removed the stones and didn't, you know, could cause you to crack a tooth, right? And he says it in a much funnier way than I have, and, uh, of course, it's you know, it's all these assumptions about only women, they're you know like the role of women is to bake pies for men or something like that. So just, you know, I'm sorry. Get you know, like I'm not praising that or condoning it or anything. I'm just saying like it's funny, right? Sorry. Not not that part of it's funny, but the stories are, are clever and once you get past that kind of contextual thing. Um, this thing was written ages ago. I don't I don't know. Like I'd have to look back at it to see, but it's clearly written in like the 30s or something i think C- certainly in the public domain so it had to be at least that old the like the 1920s or something all right uh, a little bit of folklore folk wisdom you know folk wit i'm reading 1177 bc the year the civilization collapsed with another group i'm on chapter three of that now um, i am finding it somewhat disappointing but also interesting um, i think the most interesting thing i've read in it so far it was just the how much uh, like actual archaeological evidence? So I, so have, as a person who grew up in the Bible Belt, um, and as a person who went through college in uh, art, art, and have a lot of art history knowledge, a lot of these kind of Bronze Age things resonate with me in different ways, right? And so, like uh, from my my Bible days, there's stories. There's the story of Moses and the Exodus. There's a story before that of Joseph and his, uh, you know, time his trial in Egypt and his time in Egypt and how he rose to power. And then um, there's the story of the populace the of uh, the israelites going through the desert and then you know like uh taking over uh canaan is what's modern israel and uh and their fights with the philistines and the hittites and all these different people so so this is like it, it roughly during that time right we're looking at like 2500 bc down to like 1177 bc and we're looking at all the civilizations that were there and and uh, how much trade there was and all these cool things about how basically it was like a really globalized uh, civilization and then um, I assume we're going to get to, like, the how and why of its collapse. It's probably going to be because of the invasion by the Sea Peoples and all that. But at any rate, um, uh, but, you know, the whys of all that are kind of aside. One of the most interesting things I've learned from it is just how little um, evidence there is of the— um, hebrew conquest of canaan from that kind of old testament period because it's really hard to figure out for instance which pharaoh was joseph's pharaoh or which pharaoh was moses's pharaoh there's lots of theories and there's some guesses and there's some there's some scant evidence in different places where people pointed to to kind of say like well this could be or uh, or that could be you know but there's just very little to tie it there and as a kid growing up i i heard from you know the from the evangelical mindset of the my upbringing um, I was hearing, you know, that, oh, archaeologists found Jericho. That proves the Bible's real and stuff like that. Well, but they sort of leave other stuff out. Like Jericho, there's no evidence of Jericho ever being raised. And, of course, Joshua marched, you know, what was it, seven times around the walls of Jericho, and the stones came tumbling down, and I can sing the song for you. Um, and no stone was left, you know, not one stone was left on top of the other. And, of course, I never took these things, like, super literally, but at the same time I, I sort of expected a little bit more historical tie-in than maybe I've uh than i've learned there is and it's how hard it is even to kind of like pinpoint what years these were and so it's very interesting that way uh for me to kind of uh but there's also lots of stuff that i'm just lost to where they're talking about um uh, i know the cultures but they talk about kings and the alternate names for the kings and like and it's just uh yeah it's, it's a little confusing for me but i'm getting through it and i'm enjoying it on some level um I so I'm reading a lot right now, so I'm sorry. I, this is going. i just. I don't know why. Maybe you don't like hearing about this stuff. I you should, probably should have turned this podcast off a long time ago because I probably have another five minutes at least uh, to go through here. <laughs> i'm reading two audio books at once uh by mistake really um sometimes i turn a book on when i go to sleep at night not really caring if i'm i just want to catch bits and pieces it's just a way to kind of focus my mind and get away i usually listen to things i've already i already have already read so then i don't have to worry about it like if i wake up and i hear bits i'm like oh here's where we're at you know and i can kind of get comfortable again but um I started The Broken Lands, which is book one of Fred Saberhagen's Empire of the East series. Um, so far, I'm not super impressed with it. Um, I expected more out of it than what I'm getting. It is one of these kind of Gamma World-like stories where, you know, it's, it's a fantasy but set in the future with uh, technology surviving from the past. And it reminds me of The Stone God Awakens by Philip Jose Farmer um, and also The Dark is the Sun. I think that's the title, by Philip Jose Farmer, um, and Heroes Hiro's Adventure, H-I-E-R-O apostrophe S, Hiro's Adventure, Hiro, Hiro's Journey, I forget, there's two books, um, but you probably know what I'm talking about, uh, it's that kind of book, Commandee by uh, um, Jack Kirby, if you're thinking of comics, um, and, uh, yeah, this one, they talk a lot about, um, the Oliphant, uh, this, uh, this, uh, uh, a mythical beast, uh, it, it pretty clear, clearly it's going to be a tank. I mean, I, I think early on, you guess, like, it's going to be a tank, isn't it? Is it a tank? Um, I haven't had that verified for me yet, but I... It, pretty sure it's gonna be a tank at any rate (laughs) uh but yeah so like you know there's this kind of um it's kind of interesting but my frustration with it is he doesn't describe anything he'll just sort of name it um you get this whole you encounter a whole new species of like the main character one of the characters here encounters a whole new species something he's never seen before these bird people right and they're probably owl people because they sleep during the day they're at least nocturnal right And, uh, the only description we get is of their feet. Um, and (laughs) it's just, I'm like, really, come on. Like, can you describe some of this stuff? I just feel like it's not very well described. It's a little slapdash. Um, but it's kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's been interesting. I'm expecting it to maybe get better as, as it develops. Um, and uh the other audiobook i'm reading uh, that i started reading by accident yesterday my son was asking me for some kind of light fantasy reads because he had he'd forgotten to cancel his audible description subscription and um i sort of know him and i didn't there's some things i would recommend that i that i wouldn't necessarily recommend to him you know like i like i would recommend the broken sword to a lot of people but i wouldn't necessarily recommend that for him he wants some more he's you know he's young so he wants kind of a more a different kind of fantasy i think um I'll, I'll still name those things, but I'll kind of give him some options. And so one that I thought about, he's been into, he and I have both been into Blood Bowl lately, and he's kind of into Warhammer. Um, and so I remembered reading the Go Trek and Felix series um, way back, uh, which starts off with Troll Slayer, and then it's, it's always Slayer, right? Troll Slayer, Skaven Slayer, like Demon Slayer. Beast Slayer, maybe I don't know. There's I've read like five of them, um, and that was enough. And they're good. They're, I mean, they were really good. Uh, surprisingly, for like a uh, fictional tie-in with like games, I think um, Warhammer may do it better than a lot of people do. But uh, they've got some pretty good series from what I understand. But I did enjoy these GoTrek and Felix stories. The first one, Troll Slayer, is a collection of short stories that are very dark, and it's kind of about the old world um, uh, and the incursion of or like the the uh, influence of chaos. It's got kind of a witch hunter vibe to it. Right, well, um, but Tr- uh, Gotrek is this uh, uh, a dwarf who's a troll slayer who's basically fated to die gloriously in battle. Like he's looking to die gloriously in battle to atone for some past wrongs, and he, you know, he has tattoos and a mohawk and all this cool stuff. Very edgy. Um, um, uh, Felix is a human who is the son of a noble family who's basically. Uh, eschewed his fortune, said, like, yeah, screw that. I don't want any part of your money. And then left, but has regrets sometimes because he lives a pretty seamy life with uh, GoTrek. But he's basically the embedded journalist, right? He's sorry about the um, notifications. I thought I had this turned off. Um, but he's basically following GoTrek around and writing a story. And so you get these kind of narrative frames. But uh, So I was recommending Skaven Slayer to my son, even though he hasn't read Troll Slayer. I said, I just remember that one being really fun right? And uh, I checked the audiobook to see what the narration was like, and it was a mistake, because as soon as I started listening to the narration, I'm like, well, I have credits, too. Um, I don't know what I'm going to spend my credits on this month. So I just picked it up, and I started to listen to it, and I, and I think I probably listened about four hours of it yesterday, so I'm like more than halfway through. Uh, it's really fun. It's just a fun, if you know the Skaven, they're rap people, and it's basically, the whole thing is, it's a series of stories, really, more than, but the stories tie together. And it is um, Gotrek and Felix in the town of Nuln, and, uh, and they just kind of encounter Skaven a lot, right? But there's, there's an a ongoing plot. I don't give too much away. But it's just like the way it was written is very clever. It has some really funny notes in it that, from the mindset of the Skaven and what they're trying to do. And uh, Yeah, I really enjoy it, and so I'm having fun rereading that. Um, in physical form, uh, the last book I'll probably talk about is um, I brought a couple books with me to Vegas to, to, to read, and I have had some chance to read. I'm like the weirdo who's uh, who goes down to the bar um, and gets a pizza and a, a drink and then pulls out uh, my paperback, right? And everybody looks at me like, what is wrong with you? Um But I've been reading Heretics of Dune. Um, I started rereading the Dune series a couple years ago, just kind of casually. I love Dune. Um, I like Dune a lot. Dune Messiah, I like. It's a little slow uh, and political, but it does kind of wrap up Paul's story and gives you a lot of information. Children of Dune leans towards more action. Um, I didn't like it as much on the reread. I thought it was a little thin. Uh, Took a break for a while. Then reread God Emperor of Dune. Um, I read that one when it came out. And everybody praises that one. It is better than I remembered it. Um, it is a little bit like Dune Messiah. It's heavily political. There's a lot of talking. Um, and uh, But it is also very grand in scope. And it's the—one it, thing I, I appreciate about uh, Frank Herbert is, you know, he's not afraid to say, well, this is 1,500 years after the last novel. And you're like, what? You know, like his his vision is huge, Right. And so that's, this Heretics of Dune is 15 years after the event at the end of God Emperor of Dune, which I won't say what happens. You could probably guess, but it's like I don't want to ruin the book for you. Um, uh, and I remember Heretics of Dune being a little kinky, um, meaning that the Beanie Gesserit, who are the the um, very powerful, very smart, very trained uh, women who make up a kind of a cult of, um, like a eugenics cult, I guess. Is that the right word? They're, they're using... Um, uh, they're basically controlling uh, burrs and mar- marriages and b- burrs and things like that to, to perfect the human species in a way. Um, and uh, they have developed these kind of um, super high-trained uh, sex workers that imprint uh, people um, uh, for for various reasons to control them, so they're both like uh, really powerful, but also kind of deplorable, but also kind of cool, and like the you know the whole Beanie Jester, it's complicated. I, I would never really accuse Frank Herbert of being sexist. Certainly for his day, he was pretty progressive, and um, but it is you know it is kind of a it's complex like real life is I guess in some way. So I you know it's it's interesting to read. So I'm reading this right now. He has some kind of um, he has some kind of ideas in there. I was laughing at one line about um how much you know they basically the BD jester do, say don't like fall in love that's a mistake love love is always a mistake because it causes pain and all that i don't know i mean i just think it's a little bit of a jaded worldview but um, sure um they're very calculating though it's just part of their nature and uh, actually on my birthday i replayed the dune board game because we had a big day where we played board games uh and so that was maybe that's what got me started back into heretics <laughs> i had to pause the recording there because the guy came in to check my mini fridge my mini bar right um to see if i'd taken things um yeah because they get a little sensor a warning i the uh, spoiler alert i had a diet coke and a can of pringles which probably was 20 bucks worth of you know mini bar food um which is silly but sometimes it's like i didn't this is my my personal problem thing about i didn't um i was hungry last night i didn't want to go out i didn't want to get out like i didn't want to go through the casino and deal with all the stale air and cigarette smoke and, um, other things, right. To get to, to get some food. So I ate that. Um, yeah. Any rate, uh, where's that? Heretics of Dune. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really complicated. It's kind of clever and I'm enjoying it again. Um, I remember this one not being the best, this one and the next one. And I think that's where I, it is where I stopped reading. I only read six of them before and I'm, I'm almost certain that's where I'll stop reading again. But I kind of wanted to remind myself uh, whether these books were worth reading. And I just kind of feel like they are. Like, I honestly, um, even though I think there's some imperfect things about these other Dune books, I still enjoy them. Um, somebody uh, in another group, in a Discord group I was talking to that, that has uh, spun off of this um, whatnot uh, seller uh, book build. Um, he also has some videos, which are pretty good. Um, I'll try to remember to link them in the show notes. But anyway, I mean not get show notes done today since I'm on the road and it's kind of difficult here. Um, but uh, uh, they had just read Dune and they weren't enjoying it, right? Like they, they were in the middle of Dune and they weren't enjoying it. And, you know, as a, as a person who loves the book, I uh, sarcastically in my head or, or like in a, in a funny way in my head, I was like, well, you're wrong. You know, like, but of course they're not. If you don't enjoy it, you don't enjoy it. And, but she uh, was able to, ar- able to articulate her criticism in a way that was like, okay, I get it. I totally get it, which is she says the book really takes itself incredibly seriously, and I go, yeah, no kidding, like, it is a, it's not a funny book, like, it hasn't, doesn't have any funny parts in it, nobody has any sense of humor, really, um, very little in the, in the book, it's just, it's a very serious, everybody's very serious, and they're very contemplative, and they're very philosophical, and political, and, uh, everything's happening is is like part of this larger machinations it's, it's a it's a planetary opera right um and it's and it's messy and it's um weird and it, um, as Jud uh, judd carlman uh, would say um it's knife fights in space right and uh yeah that's it man it's it's awesome i love dune but i also recognize that it's not for everybody okay well that's <laughs> that's the slate of my reading in case that wasn't enough um uh, FYI, the other books I threw in my suitcase, which I haven't touched, are are the Face in the Frost by John Belair's. And um, I think it's called Companions on the Road, which is a collection of um, uh, fantasy by Tanith Lee that I ran across. I was like, I'd never heard of it before. Um, and I think it has a, uh, a cover by uh, – it's either Jeff Jones or um, – you probably don't care. Uh, Gino de Quiles. Uh, there's a couple of cover artists that I just really like, and I tend to – I I am almost literally buying books for their covers. Uh, between If it's got a great cover, if it's got a writer who I've read before and I respect or a writer who I've never read before but I've heard a lot about, um, or if somebody recommends it to me, you know, it says I read this and it was crazy or it was good or whatever, then that's what I'm going for. Um, Oh, and there's one other book I threw in there, which I'm definitely going to read soon. It's Cordwainer Smith's uh, Nostrilia, I think it is. It's be one of the weirdest books ever, apparently. Uh, but yeah, who knows? I've got so much going on right now. I need to, f- I'm, I'm in that phase where I'm opening up windows and I need to be shutting them. So, um, I'll, I'll try to finish some of these books before I open up anymore. I, I, I literally almost, uh, cracked, um, face in the frost yesterday and I threw it, I threw it across the room. I'm like, no. And <laughs> I threw it into my suitcase to be fair, um, where it landed softly and did not take damage. But, um, I was, I had to fling it away from myself. I'm like, do not start another book. Do not start another book. So I'm going to concentrate today on getting at least one of these books finished. Um, probably, you know, there's a, there's a theory that I ran into today. Um, it's an old theory. I've, I've run into it before, but it, it, it applied today in a work context It had to do with something like solving some server problems and stuff. So I don't want to get into that, but um, it made, and I likened it to the debt, uh, to a debt uh, concept, which is, uh, what I'm going to talk about. And then, and then I realize it also applies to books, but in, they say, if you're in debt, like this, the smart thing to do is to take your smallest bill and pay it off first. Right. Um, and then because you cleared some headroom from paying off that small bill, you roll that over, like whatever you're paying per month on that, you roll it over and you put it on the next highest one. So if you start off with a, you know, a, 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 clothing store credit card that's got 300 bucks on it or something like that and you pay that one off and then you move on to like um let's just make some big jumps here let's say the next one up is your is your uh car um car loan and so then you pay that one off and then you then you roll over what you were paying on that car loan into your mortgage and you know it's it's a clever idea it does work you have to have some discipline to make it happen and not open up new debt all the time um because then you're just right like they say you can't run away from a bad diet um uh, meaning no matter how much you exercise if you just put pound in the calories in you're not gonna lose anything uh, and uh, but it's true um, and I was thinking about this reading hole that I've gotten myself into and the first trick would be, Um, actually there's kind of a a way to work yourself out of this which is you can honestly stop and look and say are any of these books just giving me no joy at all can I just say I'm done with one of these it's really painful for me to do that I don't like to not finish books but I will do that on occasion and just say yeah you know what I've read enough of this book to know what it's about I understand you know like the tone I've gotten some of the message I understand you know and I just don't like it It just doesn't bring me any joy and so I'm going to close literally close the book on it right so that's step one. Um, get rid of those, and then, or, or you know, sometimes they're ones you've only read a few pages of, and they're on there, and you just have to acknowledge they're not. You haven't really even started them. They're really on your to be read list. So just put them back on the shelf and pretend you never started them. Um, take the others, uh, then the the next. So that would be the first one, I guess. The second one is to close any books and say, No, I'm done with that. I'm not going to read it. Um, and then the next step up would be um, to look at books that you're the closest to finishing and say, like, you know what, this will only take another hour or so or a couple hours of reading. I'll start with this one. I'm going to power through it, right, get it done, close it, put it on the shelf or whatever, and then start on the next one that has the least amount of pages left or least number of hours left of reading and kind of work your way back. And I've done that before to kind of work my way back. Mostly the reason I start multiple books, though, is because, um, like You Are the Hero, the one I mentioned about fa- fighting fantasy, I read at my computer, because uh, I just like seeing it on a big screen and like with all the visuals and stuff. Um, also, I don't have a physical copy yet. I, the physical copy I did have was German um, by accident, and so <laughs> I ended up giving that one away. I ordered, they re- redid it now as a new Kickstarter, a um, new edition, so I ordered it, but right now I only can only read it on my screen, and it doesn't work on, like, a Kindle or something, right? So there's books I read on my screen, um, there's books that I have to read when I'm super focused, like 1177, and actually that one, I'm listening to it and reading at the same time, because the Kindle edition is the unrevised edition, and the audiobook is the revised edition, so sometimes I get imp- more, more information from one or the other, um, and that one also I have to just kind of focus, because I'm getting two inputs at once, and I have to kind of, like, you know, work it out, and I'm going dis- to, and I'm trying to discuss it with other people. So those two are a little slower. Um, I've got some physical ones that I read for fun, you know, when I'm, uh, just laying around or whatever. Um, I've got audio books that I listen to when I'm walking the dog or, you know, in Vegas, you walk everywhere. So it's, it's I had some good listening time here. Um, uh, and I mean, everything, everything in Vegas looks like it's, you know, a, a five-minute walk away, and it's really a thirty-minute walk away. Especially after you get lost a few times. I hate this place. So, <laughs> hate it. <laughs> sorry if you like Vegas. I can't stand it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've had a, So I keep a book going that's like audio book. But now, I don't know. Right now, it looks like I've got like multiples going on each. Um, my gosh, I've been rambly today. Uh, it has been way too long. I'm sorry. Um, maybe that's what happens when I don't turn the mic on for a while. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you didn't, I think I may go back and put a disclaimer on at the beginning of this thing and say like, Hey, if you don't want to hear about books, just ditch out. But, um, yeah, I, I um, you let me know if, if you say like, yeah, next time, maybe don't talk about that many books or don't talk about books at all, or, or just one at a time or something. You let me know that. Um, that's, uh, I probably will do that. I I'll probably will take that advice to heart even if you don't say that to me that's probably what i'm going to tell myself but maybe there were some things in there that you enjoyed uh, hit some notes for you maybe some things you never heard of or things that you have read and you want to um you know have your own opinions on or something like that but yeah it's been good talking to you um i will uh, be sending those zines out real soon and until next time look out for those rust monsters